I wonder how many of us here would say, you know what? I've just given my life to Christ. I'm what you would say, I'm a new believer in Jesus Christ. But I still feel like, as wonderful as that is, I still feel like something is missing. Maybe you're here tonight, you say, uh, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been a Christian for many, many years. Maybe there are people here that, that have been Christians for decades. You might say, there was a time in my life when I felt very, very close to God. But something today feels like it's missing in my life. Do one of those describe your life? Well, I believe if that's you. What we're talking about together in God's Word this weekend might be a big reason for both of those people to feel that way. About 20 years ago, I was exposed to something in God's Word that honestly I still cannot get my arms around. In fact, this message kind of feels like what uh, Jeff Butler, aren't you grateful for Jeff last weekend sharing God's Word and being his servant? Amen. But the message this weekend for me kind of feels like what Jeff described last week as he was uh, sharing God's Word. It, it feels like the message hits awfully close to home for the messenger. This is something that has always been challenging for me. It's always been, it seems like, elusive to me. And, and it's something, to be very honest with you, that God is working on in my life right now. And the reason I'm sharing it with you is because we have to be very careful as pastors, as speakers, and sharing God's Word. We have to be very careful that we don't necessarily have to share everything that God's doing in our life, right? And so I sort of have to evaluate that. What is God just giving to me? And what is God giving to me for me? But He also wants me to share with others. There is no doubt in my mind that God is doing this in my life, but that He's spoken to me about sharing this with all of you this weekend. And I hope that I can be God's servant to plant a seed in your heart that just begins to grow this weekend as we study God's Word together. That just begins to start something that God is going to bear fruit through for many, many years to come in your relationship with Him. I want to talk with you about the very, very critical subject in God's Word of abiding in Christ. Abiding in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. What I want to do is read these scriptures together, read these verses together, and then I, I want to take a little time to kind of explain what we see going on in these verses, what's being said, and then we're going to dig into it a little more and, and begin to draw some things out of what Jesus says in these verses. But let's start by reading John 15, verse, uh, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean, or actually that, that's the same word for, for the pruning. You are already pruned because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine so neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Now obviously, as we read these verses, we, we clearly get the picture of Jesus talking about a vine. That imagery would have been very familiar to, the ancient, to ancient peoples and especially to the nation of Israel. In fact, as you read the Old Testament, God very often talks about His relationship with His people uh, in the framework of thinking about a, of a vine. And this actually, a vine, was the national symbol of the nation of Israel. And actually on the front of their temple, there was a great golden vine that was displayed on the front of the Jewish temple as they would go in to worship. And so Jesus here says that He is the true vine. He is, it can be translated, the genuine vine. I think what Jesus is really saying is we try to attach ourselves to a lot of things in this life, don't we? We, we try to pull from, we try to draw strength from a lot of sources. But Jesus says very clearly, He is the vine, but He is the true vine. He is the only genuine vine, the only valid vine that we need and that we can draw as our source of life and our source of strength. He says that God the Father is the vine dresser. I want you to think about that image for just a moment. God is like a gardener. In our lives. Isn't that an incredible image? Some of you I know enjoy gardening. And so it probably even means much more to you. But as you think about your image of God. Many of us think of God as separate. We think of Him as aloof. We think of Him as big and away and far from us. But the picture of a vine dresser. Of a gardener. Of a farmer. Taking uh, much care. And watching closely over the growth of the vine. That's an incredible image of God the Father isn't it? He says that we are the branches. Someone said this. The sooner that we as believers discover that we are but branches, the better we will relate to the Lord. For we will then know our own weakness and confess our need for His strength. Jesus said that there are some branches that appear to be part of the vine that aren't truly true branches a part of the vine. Now I think what He was talking about there is that in the nation of Israel, God had worked throughout history in the nation of Israel. There are those that the Bible calls true Israel. There are people who are truly the people of God who lived in the nation of Israel. But there were also people who were attached to, who were truly a part in that sense, a part of the nation of Israel, but they were not a part of the people of God. In that same way, God is saying to us that there are people who are attached to God's work, who are very near to God's work, who call ourselves Christians, who even may do Christian-like things, but we are not truly followers of Jesus. They are not gods, and eventually, he says, it will show. By the way, that ought to concern us tonight, shouldn't it? If you are sitting here in church tonight, you ought to say, oh my goodness, is that me? Could that be me? Is it possible that I have attached myself to God's stuff, but I am not truly connected to God myself personally? That is a valid question to ask, isn't it? He says, now that's some branches that appear to be part of the vine, but some branches are connected, and, and those branches, because they're connected, they bear fruit, but they still need to be pruned back. Somebody said, you're pruned if you do, you're pruned if you don't, okay? <laughs> you're going to be either pruned away from the branch, or you're going to be pruned back. By the way, that just kind of says to me, I'm going to be pruned either way, right? 
Are you willing to accept the fact that in your relationship with God, it's going to be, in your, in your experience here on earth, it's going to be challenged either way. It's going to be a challenge either way. Amen? Life is going to be hard. We're going to face difficulty. But I would rather face difficulty with God and being connected with Him because ultimately whatever He's doing in my life, if I'm attached to Him, even though I may face pruning, which we don't enjoy, but even though I may face pruning, ultimately whatever God does in our life is going to lead to our better good and to His greater glory. So why not go with God then? Amen? And finally, we notice that Jesus also says in these verses that, listen, this is very important. Fruit-bearing, okay, that's just kind of pictorial language to say, showing evidence, right? Isn't that what fruit is? Fruit is just showing evidence of what's really on the inside and is coming out. Showing evidence of real life change is essential if you are claiming to be a real Christian it is essential to see true life change. Now listen, that doesn't mean that if you stop producing spiritual fruit, you've lost your salvation. What it means is if you don't produce the fruit of the kind of things that God does in someone's life, do you really have a relationship with Him? Okay? Jesus says that fruit bearing is not nice. It's essential if I claim to be a follower of His. So having noticed those things, what I want to focus on together as we study God's Word in these verses is so absolutely critical to our relationship with God. What does it mean to abide in Jesus Christ? What does it mean when Jesus talks about that in these verses? I want to look at several things. He uses the word abide 11, as I can see, 11 times in 11 verses. That's a lot, isn't it? One word being used 11 times in, in, in these 11 verses in John 15, uh, verses 1 through 11. Now, we just read verses 1 through 5, but if you read the rest of those verses, Jesus, over and over again, He uses the terminology that we're to abide in Christ. That can be translated, we're to remain in Christ. That can be translated, we're to stay in Jesus Christ. Most people believe these things are referring to closeness with God. It's talking about intimacy with God. It's talking even about rest in God. There are many things that we could say, but I want to focus on three key things as we look at these words, these verses tonight. First of all, abiding in Christ means consecration to God. Write that down. Abiding in Christ means consecration to God. Now, if you've been here for very long, you know that at New Hope... We're not very inclined to use big words that churches use that make no sense to the average person, okay? But there are some uncommon words. There are some words that you may not use in everyday life, but if they're explained clearly, they're important for us to understand as we're talking about a relationship with God. I'm using the word consecration for that reason tonight. Very often we use the word commitment as Christians. But there's a problem that I have with the word commitment. Commitment is used so much that we really don't, we, we really kind of take it lightly, don't we? I make a commitment and that's something that, you know, you would think is something you would keep pretty, pretty tightly, but actually it's something that we feel like that is certainly very optional or, 
or, or very fluid or could change if I need to. But also, commitment sounds like, this is very important, commitment sounds like something that I do. Some work that I am promising to fulfill. But what we're talking about here, consecration to God, is not a half-hearted commitment. It's a huge deal. And it's also not done by me. It's done by me cooperating with God's work in my life. This is not my work like, it, like commitment implies. This is me responding to and receiving God's work in my life. So having said that, let's talk about being consecrated to God. We're talking about being abiding in Christ. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you? Answer that just in your own heart. You don't have to answer that out loud, but answer that in your own heart. Have you ever surrendered, have you ever given your life to God? Now many of us would say yes. Yes, Pastor Robbie, I've prayed the prayer of salvation. I've said a prayer and asked God to be my Savior. But you need to realize something important. If you are giving your life to God, it's important to communicate that by a prayer of salvation, right? And so a prayer of salvation is a very important part of the start of a relationship with God. But just saying some words of a prayer does not necessarily mean that I am truly intending to give my life to God. Do you understand that? So if I am consecrating my life, turning my life over to God, surrendering my life to Him... That's going to begin by saying some words to God. But many people have wrongly misunderstood, and sometimes because churches have not made this clear, that just saying certain words means I am consecrated to God whether my life ever changes or not. And that is not what the Bible teaches. But the real question we want to get to is this. Have you ever, I'm not talking about saying a certain words or saying a certain prayer, but have you ever truly given your life to God? That does start with a one-time decision, doesn't it? That does start by saying, God, I need you. I ask you to come into my life. But it also involves a daily aspect. Every day, I recommit my allegiance to God. Every day, in a sense, I reaffirm my loyalty to the Lord. I reaffirm my dedication to Him. Now again, I want to be careful. That does not mean I'm saved every day. That doesn't mean I receive Christ as my Savior every day. Some Christians want to take this terminology that we're to remain in Christ, that we're to stay in Christ. They want to take that to mean, oh, I've got to make sure that I keep my relationship with God. I've got to make sure that I don't lose my salvation. That is not what we're talking about here. The Bible does not teach that I have to worry every day whether I have my salvation or not. Isn't that good news? That one time giving of yourself to God, that one time once and for all settled decision, that is that decision that we make. The Bible says that once you make that decision, it is secure. Let me just give you a couple of verses that talk about that. John 10 verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give what kind of life to them? Eternal life. That lasts a while, doesn't it? When God gives you eternal life, it lasts for all of eternity. And He says, uh, and they will never perish. That is a double negative in the original Greek language. It is the strongest 
possible negation that Jesus could have used in that language. He said there is no way ever possible once you have turned your life over to God and received Him as your personal Savior, there is no way at all possible when you've trusted in Christ for that to ever be taken away from you ever again. Isn't that good news? 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. This one settled it for me. I used to worry about my salvation when I was a little boy and I accepted Christ. I used to wonder, did it take? Did, you know, did, did it stick? Or, or, or did I lose it? Or did I mess up? Or did I blow it today? And so many times I'd lay in bed at night and I'd say, okay, let me just do this one more time. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come to my heart and be my Savior and wash away my sins. Anybody ever done that before? But somebody taught me 1 John 5 verse 13. And once I read that verse, I've never done that again. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may what? Know that you have what kind of life? Eternal life. Isn't it good news? That once you, listen, in that sense, consecrate your life to God. Hear that. That is a, and the reason I use that terminology is because that, that sounds like holy language, doesn't it? Consecration sounds like a holy language, and it is. Once you, in a special act, a special decision, say, I recognize what God has done for me and I give my life to Him. Once you consecrate yourself to God in that way, the Bible says that is a done deal, that is secure. You can know that you have eternal life. It's not a matter of whether I have a relationship with God. Listen, this is what we're wanting to get to. It's a matter of whether I have close fellowship with God. Let me give you a couple of examples. Many of us here tonight are married. Okay, your marriage is settled. You had a wedding, you made some commitments, some promises, a covenant with each other before God and before other people. That is settled. No matter what today looks like, I'm married. Amen? But today does matter. Amen? Today can either be a really good day in that settled marriage relationship, or today can be not so great. Amen? For you people, but for me and Shannon, it's always hot, all right? <laughs> okay, as, as a kid, as a kid, you were born into your family. That is forever settled, but sometimes, honestly, your parents aren't really excited about you, and you're not very excited about them, amen? In the same way, once you have that initial consecration, and that's maybe the terminology I want to use to just to, to kind of make that separation as we're talking about, that initial consecration, once you've been born into God's family, once you've got that covenant marriage relationship with God, that is a settled deal. But what we're wanting to focus on as we're studying abiding in Christ is that daily consecration. That ongoing fellowship with God. So having clarified that, let's go back to that. Why is it so important for us to have that daily concert? What, is that, what does that mean in our relationship with Christ? Abiding in Christ means, listen, that I am committed. And I pray because you know what? I do not have the capacity to be able to infuse what I believe God wants to say through this. I need the Holy Spirit to teach you. Because I cannot, I'm learning this myself. I'm trying to, to describe as feebly, as weakly as I can in my own understanding. I pray that God would use that to speak to you as we're studying His Word. But listen, what we're talking about is consecration, daily consecration in my abiding with Christ means that I intentionally, daily 
hand over my life to God again. Okay? Jesus talks about it in these verses in terms of pruning. Look at verses 1 and 2. He says, I'm the true vine. My Father's a vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, He takes away. But then He talks about, He says, in every branch that bears fruit, okay, there's true branches. Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Like a gardener, like a farmer, and I'm speaking even in, in this uh, horticulture, like I don't know what I'm talking about, okay? Y'all know the only thing I've ever done is me and Drew raised, did a raised bed garden this past year, all right? And we're going to try to improve on that next year. But apparently a farmer or gardener is going to work on that vine. He's constantly, just like that gardener, God is constantly at work in your life seeking to take out the things that are interfering with what He wants to pour into your life. Okay? So it's really God's work. This is not my work, and we're going to talk about that more in just a moment. But here's the question. God is wanting to do some work. He's wanting to do some pruning in my life. Am I cooperating with that daily? Am I in tune with that? Am I aware of that? Am I paying attention to that? Am I allowing Him to do that on a daily basis? If you want to abide in Christ, you've got to, to, to realize that there is a daily opportunity that you have. Listen, tomorrow, if, if today I made the decision to, to, be, to have my antenna up, to be aware, to be sensitive of the Holy Spirit working in my heart, in my life, if I did that today, guess what? It doesn't count for tomorrow, amen? Now again, I still have that relationship with Christ. But it's a question of how much I'm experiencing what He wants to do in my life. And that depends on a decision that I make when I wake up not to do the work. The gardener's doing the work. But unlike a vine, we talk back. Amen? And so what God is saying to us is that He wants to so work in our life that we realize that daily we wake up and say, Yes, God, once again. Is that the experience of your life? Are you daily offering yourself to God in a fresh way? Even to the point, isn't it your goal? Is it your, is it your desire that actually, I'm never going to get there, but I'm working on it with God's help. I want to get to the point where moment by moment, I am turning myself over to God. Amen? Do you hear me? This week, I've been living more like that because I've been thinking about this message, but guess what I'll leak? Next week, I'll leak it out. I've been filling up this week, but I'll forget by Tuesday. Amen? But as God grows me, that this abiding in Christ, and friend, listen, tonight, this is not a concept. This is not just some nice little thing we're going to learn about our faith. This is, have you made a decision that with God's help, regularly, daily, I want to wake up and say, God, here I am completely, totally, from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. Whatever you want to do this day. And then, with His help, moment by moment, be listening for that direction, which we'll get to here in just a moment. Now listen, I want to share something with you. The point of this, as we're talking about this, is not, it is not for me, it's not for the Lord to make you or to make me feel guilty tonight. Because all of us can feel like a jerk when we're thinking about this, right? I'm such a failure. I'm such a loser. I did not, I thought about it last week when I was here at church. I was thinking about God, but I've spent the whole week. Isn't that the way we feel? 
That is not the point. The point is not to condemn. The point is not to guilt us. The point is for God to reveal to us what we're missing. And for us to look at that and say, oh my God, Lord, please, God, I don't want to miss that anymore. Amen? That's the point, is to realize that abiding in Christ, God offers so much for us that we're missing. Is your life being consecrated to God on a daily basis? Consecration is something you've got to think about some more. We're going to have to move on. But abiding in Christ also means this. It means getting to know God better. Getting to know God. I don't like to use the terminology deeper in church because I get tired of Christians saying, oh, I just want to live the deeper life. You know, what they mean is I just want to learn a lot about God and act proud about it, okay? And I'm not excited about that, amen? But if you really mean that I want to know God better, I want to have more intimacy with God, that is a valid pursuit, amen? Sometimes you hear somebody say something like this, you know, my sister and I, we have really grown closer over this last year. Maybe something like this happened in one of your life. Maybe there's somebody in your family. Maybe, maybe your parents or maybe a sibling or, or a friend and you would just say, you know, something's happened that's just drawn us closer. We've gotten closer over the last few months. My question is, when somebody makes a statement like that, what do they mean? What happened? If you, if you, if you could put it in one word, here's the word I think I would say. Communication. That's what it means. It means they're experiencing communication. I want you to think about that word communication. Communication means we share some things. We have some things, look at it, communication. We have some things in common. There are some things in me, and I allow those things to go over to you. And vice versa, there are some things in you, and you allow those things to come over and to be deposited in me. So we're communicating. We're getting together. So let's read verse 3 of what Jesus said in John 15. He says, You are already, again, clean or pruned because of the word which I have spoken to you. All throughout this passage are images of communication. If you read these verses, you'll see it all the way through verse 11. It, it talks about being connected to God. That's a word that we use a lot today, don't we? Because the internet... We're connected. We're looking for connection. It's, it's, a, it's a communication word. It talks about sticking tight, being close to God. It talks about being open to God because God is trying to flow some things into our life. But he actually says in these verses, abide in me and I in you. So there sounds like there's a transfer, doesn't there? There's things going from God to us and there's things going from us to God. There's a flow of resources and we're receiving from God. We're depending on him. But verse 3 specifically talks about the Word of God. Jesus told His disciples in verses 1 and 2, He says, I, part of the work that I'm going to do in your life is I'm going to prune you. I'm going to cut back the things that, that, that aren't helpful in your life for our relationship. But in verse 3, He says, some of that pruning has already happened. How did He say it had already happened? Read it. What did it say? You are already pruned because of the word that I've given to you. He says, as we've been together, I've already been doing that work in your life through my word. So the clear implication in verse 3 is that one of the most important parts of abiding in Christ is hearing God's word so that I can know God better. By the way, that last part was very important. 
Many Christians think that it's just hearing the Word. It's coming to church. It's listening to a lot of Christian radio. Listening to pastors all the time. It's just like this constant flow in. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach that we're just supposed to have this constant download of information from God. As great as God's Word is, as critical as it is, that is not the purpose of God's Word just to be deposited in your life. The purpose of God's Word is to come in and to reveal God to us so that that brings about a better relationship, understanding, and experience of God. Now I want to read you a verse that some of you have never heard of this concept. Listen to John 17 verse 3. This is incredible to me. John 17 verse 3 says, This is eternal life. Now if you weren't reading ahead, because I see your eyes, okay? If you weren't reading ahead, if I held that back from you, you might say, what? What is eternal life? What is it? No, I, I can't stand the suspense. This is eternal life, Jesus says. What? What is eternal life? This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Is that not incredible? Friends, I wish I had the ability this is one message, it should be a series, and probably we should be on it for a long time, okay? I've got a resource that I'm going to provide for you online this week that is a five-hour book, that, uh, an oral book that's being read, audio book, that I've been listening to as I've been riding around and just traveling all week. That it, Five hours, the guy's talking about what we're talking about here, Okay? So it's impossible for me to convey all that God's trying to say here just in one message. I hope that God can begin to pull back the curtain in your mind and just, just begin to whet your appetite for, I've got to spend some more time on this abiding thing. Okay, and a big part of it is, okay, eternal life. What's so great about eternal life? You've received Christ as your Savior. What's so great about eternal life? What, what are you looking forward to? Tell me, what are you looking forward to? Being with God, okay, what else? Y'all don't have any idea. What it is. How about heaven? I'm ready to get out of this mess, amen? Aren't you glad for hope? Aren't you glad for forgiveness? Aren't you glad for, I mean, you think about heaven is like lots of the pieces of things that we, we see images here on, the earth, on this earth, but it's going to be exponentially better in heaven, right? You think about relationships. You think about all the, the streets of gold, the lack of limitation. All those things that we're going to experience in heaven. I mean, there's so much that we have to look forward to, right? But you know what John 17 says? The greatest joy in life. The treasure, listen. The treasure, the prize of all of it is just knowing God. There's something to this. Are you with me? Abiding in Christ. What does that mean? That means I've somehow gotten connected with God. Thank God for that relationship I have now. Amen? But like, like Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, God grabbed hold of me, and I'm not sure exactly what He grabbed hold of me for. I'm paraphrasing, okay? Philippians 3, but it's pretty close to what it says. I'm not sure exactly what God grabbed hold of me for, but I'm in hot pursuit of it. Because I got something. Amen? 
And God has changed my life. And the main thing, and it says it there in Philippians 3, is knowing Christ. It's knowing Him. I compare everything else as garbage. He actually talks about it in terms of human waste. Everything else is like human waste in comparison with knowing Christ. That's what this abiding in Christ thing is about. Getting to know God better. Growing closer to Him. And as I do that, I experience more of what God created me to have and to be and to do. Doesn't that make you hungry to know God more? Amen? Abiding in Christ is not some task I've been given. It's not some homework. It's not some burden that I've been given. Of, oh, you've got to do this. You didn't know when you signed up and you got the free gift of eternal life that you're going to have to drag this thing of getting to know God. And it's going to take a lot of work. And you've got to read your Bible. You've got to underline. You've got to come to church a lot. That's the way many Christians approach it. No, I get the privilege set before me of knowing this great God. If that growth comes from the Word, doesn't that give you a desire? I don't have to read the Bible. I want to read I need to in that sense. I am desperate. I'm, I've, I've lost so much time already. Amen? I'm behind. I'm hungry. Abiding in Christ. Number three, abiding in Christ means completely trusting in God. Look at verses 4 and 5 of John chapter 15. He says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. This is the part of abiding that is the feather underneath Pastor Robbie's nose. This is the part that personally, on several fronts, has bothered me for 20 years. Abiding, or as some say, abiding means completely resting. Are you listening to me? Abiding means completely resting in, trusting in the Lord. I think there's two reasons I struggle with that. First of all, I have control issues. I'm just going to put it out there on the table. I can pro... Listen. Listen. Here's how we work our way around things. I can process trusting. Amen? It's completely trusting that I have an issue with. Anybody? That's why I like motorcycles, not horses. Because I tell it what to do. Lindsay likes to ride horses. I say, uh uh-uh. uh. That thing thinks. <laughs> and I don't trust it with my life. I struggle hard to trust it with my daughter. But also, it's not just trust issues, control issues. To me, completely trusting, I listen. It sounds to me, I mean, just on a deep level, it sounds to me like possibly laziness or irresponsibility. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Completely trusting God. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. I'm trying. Resting in the Lord sounds like I'll just do whatever I want to and blame it on God. 
Or I'll just be, I'll just like go limp and God will pick me up and I'll just, you know, He'll make me do the things I'm supposed to do. But we know, don't we? That's not what it means. Jesus said in verses 4 through 5, He says, I need to abide in Him. If I don't, I will not produce God's good work in my life. However, if I do abide in Him, I'll produce a lot. That's another rabbit we could chase. Think about that. If you're abiding in Christ, you don't just produce some things. You're going to produce a lot of good things. He says, in fact, without abiding in Him, I can do nothing. I honestly do not completely understand what this means. But let me give you some ideas of how I think we miss it as believers. There are, first of all, those who think we just go limp. There are Christians who think it's all up to God. No matter what I do, right or not, I'll just go limp and God will do whatever He wants to do in my life. That's obviously not what we see in God's Word. Amen? Obviously, God works through His people. And obviously, we have choices that we make in that process. I don't know exactly how that works. But obviously, the answer is not, I just sit here. If you just come and sit up on the stage... God will pick you up and make you preach like Pastor Robbie. Okay? We know that's not the answer, right? Okay? Secondly, the second option is, there are those who think that, yes, God works, but it's mostly up to us. Isn't that true? God works in my life. He gives me strength to do things. But it's mostly up to me. If I don't make some choices, if I don't try real hard and try to figure things out and get them done, it's not going to happen. This is my problem. Anybody else? I struggle with this. God, I love you. I want you to work. But it seems like if I just sit down, you're not going to pick me up and make me. So there are some choices. And how much am I supposed to figure out? And how much am I supposed to let you do? Here's what I think I've begun to discover. Let me see if I can just kind of describe what I think God is wanting for us to experience. Instead of seeing myself as a producer, I should see myself as a vessel. Okay? Or a receiver or a conduit. It's not up to me to figure things out or to make things happen. Here's the way that's really helped me. God is the initiator. How about that? God is the catalyst. And so what I need to do, and even this is a response to Him, as He works in my life, I allow Him, I don't block Him. In fact, Pastor Jeff will tell you, Pastor Chris, Pastor Todd, what we work on a lot here at New Hope is not producing anything but keeping garbage out of the way. It's really all we need to do is just stay out of God's way. Isn't that what we talked about in the last series? Prepare a way. Make a way for God. If we'll just stay out of His way and receive what He wants to do, that's what God wants to do. It's for me to listen, for me to receive, and for me to respond and cooperate with what He initiates. Okay, for instance, let me give you a general example. Let's say you're here tonight you say, I need to clean up my mouth, okay? I need to stop cursing. I need to stop using foul language. Okay, here's how Robbie would do that. I would think to myself, okay, I came to church this weekend. God really spoke to me about getting some things straight in my life. Okay, the biggest thing is I need to watch my mouth. Okay, so I'm going to try to don't curse, don't curse, don't say bad words, don't say bad words. 
Okay, the next time a situation comes up, I'm going to say this, or I'm going to do this. Isn't that what you would do? Okay, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to work real hard. I'm going to try when it happens. And guess what? I do it anyway. Amen? Here's what God wants to have happen. Instead of me saying, Ooh, Trevor, Lord, Trevor, don't say those words. Don't say those words. You know what God wants me to do? God wants me to get up this morning Submit my life to Him. Be consecrated, right? Fully surrendered. Romans 12, handing my body over to Him completely. Staying sensitive to His Spirit. And then guess what? Watch what happened. When I get in moments where I might be tempted to use bad language, I'm not even thinking about how I was thinking about not saying bad words last Sunday at church. I'm not even thinking about that commitment I made. I forgot about it long ago. Amen. Remember, I said, well, I'll go Tuesday. I'll forget about it. But if I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He will say, uh, uh, uh. I mean, it's just about, it's just about, uh, uh. Wow, Lord, you're good. Because I had completely forgotten that that was a problem that I have. But thank you for reminding me I'm responding to that. Would you give me whatever I need to say and help me to say that? You see the difference? This past week, I went through the drive-thru at McDonald's for the first time and I've been trying to eat healthy and so I was in a hurry and I was down in Saratoga. And so I said, okay, I got a bottle of water. I'm just going to get a chicken sandwich. And you know, So I pull up to the drive-thru and I say, hey, can I just have a chicken sandwich? And that just rocks everybody's world. You just want a sandwich? Yes, I just want a sandwich. I don't want fries. I don't want to... Okay. So anyway, it shows up on the screen, sandwich, and I said, oh, could I have mayonnaise? And they said, sure. Sandwich plus 20 cents for mayonnaise. I mean, I mean. <laughs> Customer service is a struggle for Pastor Robbie, all right? Because it's an oxymoron most of the time. So I go up to the window, and I said, I said, ma'am, and she just, but she grabbed my cart. It was like all the while, I don't know if she was cold or she's talking to other people, just boom, boom. Okay, so she hands me my cart, and, and so I just waited to receive it, so she'd have to wait for me and listen to me. I said, did you charge me 20 cents for mayonnaise? And she said, oh, sir, I don't know. The machine does this. I don't know. I just got, I got a bunch of people. I can't tell you to talk to the next window. I said, okay. So I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever. Go up to the next window. Girl comes up, you know. Just, here's your car. Here's your stuff. Goes, well, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Don't leave me. I think I got charged 20 cents for mayonnaise. Sir, I don't know. The machine just does it. You know, just. Uh, I said, well, is there anybody around that knows and can help me? It's, I just want to know. Did I get charged 20 cents? Well, this girl comes. She's like, like, she's about 13 years old. She comes to the window. She's the manager. <laughs> And she said, yes, sir, that does not come on that sandwich. I said, you know, <laughs> the flesh wants to say, what are you going to start charging a $1 convenience fee for coming through the drive-thru? Or, you know, if I got a Big Mac or if I got a quarter pounder, would I have had to pay for mustard and ketchup? I mean, why is mayonnaise being discriminated against or, you know, Whatever. I am serious. It was all I could do. It was all I could do to not just put it in park. All the 20 cars behind me are going to have to wait. 
get out, go inside, not be ugly, but just have a conversation about. I was not thinking. And I listened. This was, I was listening to that five hour. I turned it down to ask the lady the question. So all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me, just let it go. There's nothing good going to come out of this. Isn't it worth 20 cents to just let it go? That was not Robbie. That was by the grace of God I'd been listening to two hours of this just to halfway get me on the right page. That's how it works. Robbie didn't go to that saying, you know how you are at customer service. Be careful. Be careful. Don't say the wrong thing. Don't do it. That wouldn't have worked. I forgot about it. And even if I had remembered, I wouldn't have done it. But with God initiating, I was able to accomplish what I believe was His response. Isn't that freeing for us? I don't need to do anything. I just need to be close to Jesus and let Him do in me. Has your life been consecrated to God? I hope that sounds like a big deal because it is a big deal. Have you had a ceremony and said to God, God, you know how big this is. I don't just give my life away to anybody and especially not to God and religion and all that. But God, I know you're the one. And I, and I have a, I, this is a moment, a special moment, where I'm turning my life over to you. Have you ever been born again? Has your life ever been changed by receiving Christ and His forgiveness? And then that daily consecration. Are you, are you asking God to cultivate this in you? I told you, Pastor Robbie's been working on it 20 years, so it's not like you're going to wake up in the morning, New Year's resolution, you got this licked. Okay? Hopefully you're a faster learner than me. But as God hopefully brings this word up to you, as you're spending time with Him, getting to know Him better, He reminds you about this abiding. Will you respond to that tomorrow or the next day and say, yes, God, today I give my life over to you. And then He speaks to you about on Thursday, yes, God, I turn my life over to you. And then it becomes more and more, just through the weeks, through the months, more and more the practice, And hopefully we can get to the point where it's moment by moment with His help. Amen? Are you getting to know God better? Do you have a hunger? This God, I've just gotten a taste. I want to know Him more. I don't need y'all to be strong. I don't need y'all to make me want to do it. I want to know Him. Even if everybody in this room walked out. Amen? Tonight, would you be willing to say, God, would you begin pouring into me? Would you begin, or would you help me to completely trust? Not just to trust in you, because we get around that, but to completely, I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about the intention of my heart is that, God, I want you to be completely in charge of my life. Would you help me to do that? Let's bow together as we come before the Lord tonight and ask Him to help us.
Oh, I hope that God has planted a seed in your heart that will continue to germinate and to grow and to develop in your understanding and in your practice of your walk with Him for years to come. But right now, would you just take whatever it is you hear Him saying and would you receive that? Don't try to do it all. Don't try to do everything you've ever heard in church. Every decision you've ever considered. All that you need know that needs to get right in your life. Just what is He initiating in your heart right now? And say yes to that. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, would you say, Dear God, I hear you calling me. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me for all my sins and give my life to you today. Father, teach us to abide. Teach us what it means. Help us to live it. As your followers, we pray in Jesus' name.